0: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Robson Sports Cast. I'm your host, Alex Robson. Thanking you for tuning into this week's edition of that good old fashioned sports talk. Now, let's go ahead, stop the chit chat, and get right into this week's episode because we got a lot to talk about today. Now, the title of this episode is very corny, I know but there is definitely some trouble cooking in Minnesota. The star running back Dalvin Cook plans to sit out all team-related activities until he gets a, quote, reasonable deal. Now stop me if you've heard something about a running back sitting out until he gets an extension before. You're not going to stop me? That's right, because it's happened for the past two seasons, I believe. Uh, Le'Veon Bell in 2018 sat out all of the season from the Pittsburgh Steelers because he wanted a long-term deal. Pittsburgh wouldn't give it to him, so he got it from the New York Jets, and I'm sure he's probably regretting that at this point. And last season, Melvin Gordon sat out a good portion of the 2019 season via not getting an extension. Eventually, he bid in and rejoined the team. And it's also rumored that Joe Mixon, the star running back for the Bengals, will be joining Dalvin Cook and holding out until he gets a extension. That spells a lot of trouble for Joe Burrow and company down in Cincinnati. Now, Dalvin Cook I have zero problem with him. Dalvin Cook is a rising star. 1135 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns along with 519 receiving yards last season. And totally also had 303 touches. That's a good amount. I'll get to why that's important here in a little while. And I have zero problem with Dalvin Cook, as I mentioned. Dalvin Cook is a rising star, in my opinion. I think he's going to be very, very good. I do have an issue, though, with paying running backs. Now, to give you a little insight into my brain, in terms of what I would do if I was an NFL GM... I made a list of my top five positions that need to be paid the most. That, Based off importance, not like who should get the biggest contract, because that's not up for me to decide. That's up for the team paying the player. But the most important positions to pay for in the NFL. Number one, obviously, is the quarterback position. Um, you don't win football games without a quarterback. You don't win playoff games without a quarterback. And you don't win Super Bowls without a quarterback. I mean, we've seen it before. Not only at a professional level, but college level. We've seen it where teams were a quarterback away from being special. And they just didn't have that key position. That position is so important in the NFL, especially now because of how pass-first first it is now compared to past eras. Number two, I have the offensive line because not only does the offensive line protect the quarterback, but it opens up running lanes for your running back, which is also very important. Your running back can't do anything if he can't get any holes to run through. And your quarterback can't do anything if he's sitting on his rear end the whole game. I mean, this is shown perfectly by the 2019 New York Jets. I mean, they had young quarterback and Sam Darnold, And they had a very, very capable Le'Veon Bell. But due to a very incompetent offensive line, there's nothing formulated related for him, And they finished with the right- worst offense in the NFL in terms of yardage. Uh, Number three, I have pass rusher. Um, This is shown currently by the Cleveland Browns negotiating an extension with Miles Garrett, who is possibly the most pure pass rusher of this generation. I mean, he is just a perfect blend of speed and power, along with the finesse moves that he has got in his pocket. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Lawrence Taylor, honestly. Now, I'm not comparing those two at all because there will never, ever, 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 ever be another Lawrence Taylor. That name invoked fear into the hearts of everyone that had to line up against him. You do not want to be the guy across from Lawrence Taylor because he was going to devour you. Now, although Miles Garrett is a freak, he's not Lawrence Taylor. Um, At number four, I have the secondary with, like I mentioned, this league is so pass first unlike most eras of the past, it is just impossible to win without at least one or two competent corners. With the stars, like I mentioned, you got Odell Beckham, you got Jarvis Landry, you got Julio Jones, Mike Thomas, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I mean, you got a lot of star receivers in this league, and that is because of the past first way that we do things in the NFL now. But without a star corner, you are going to get roasted like a Thanksgiving turkey in football games. I mean, teams like um, like I've talked to them already a couple times, the New York Jets, they do not have a star corner, let alone a starting corner. Their best corner is Brian Poole, and he is a short guy who is built to be a slot corner. Um, the, uh, Detroit Lions don't really have a star corner. They got Desmond Trufant, but they lost Darius Slay, who I think is miles ahead of Desmond Trufant. Um, Seattle Seahawks don't really have a star corner. I mean, they got Griffin. They got Flowers, but those guys are... They are very possible... Flowers, especially as a bench guy anywhere else. Um, And... Griff, uh, I think it's Shaquille Griffin's the corner, and I think Shaquille's the linebacker. I get the two confused that time most of the time. That's why I didn't say his first name. Um, I think it's Shaquille Griffin though. Um, he is probably a good two corner. Uh, I probably, I think he'd be better at the at a slot corner, maybe a two than a number one. I don't agree with that at all. Um, but teams like that, um, they have to rely so much on their offense, and that's only going to win you so many games because your offense is going to have days, unless you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, their offense is going to have days where they struggle because they play in a great defense. So, And then number five, I have running back. The reason I have running back so low is because how many times have we seen a running back get drafted in the later rounds or even not get drafted and still be serviceable? Adrian Foster is a name that comes to mind. He went undrafted and was a star for the Texans. Damian Williams is a current is a current player that went undrafted and just won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. He ran for 140 yards and two touchdowns in that game. He's pretty good. It happens all the time. They don't have to be great, but just serviceable. Because sometimes that's all you need. Kansas City Chiefs are an example of that. Damian Williams is serviceable. He's not. Great, but he's serviceable. And they just won a Super Bowl with him. And the Minnesota Vikings have already signed... Signed their life away on Kirk Cousins. Three years ago, 2018, he signed a... Well, not... Yeah, I think that's actually his three. Two years ago, two years ago, he signed a three-year, $84 million deal. And just recently he signed a 2 year 66 million dollar extension Minnesota welcome to salary cap hell population you signing Kirk Cousins who's a good quarterback I'm not knocking Kirk Cousins I mean he is a wait well, I said serviceable running back he's a serviceable quarterback I mean he he's a got armed talent he's a good quarterback I had this this sort of Dividing between quarterbacks There's quarterbacks you can win a Super Bowl with And there's quarterbacks you're, that are going to win you a Super Bowl In that uh, latter half The ones that will win you a Super Bowl are guys like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees Tom Brady And Kirk Cousins slides over to that Quarterback that, could, that you could Win a Super Bowl with um, he, He's talented but he is Not a, a superstar By any means At the quarterback position And, like, Dalvin Cook is looking for Christian McCaffrey money. They can't afford that. That's a four-year, $64 million deal that Christian McCaffrey signed. That's the highest paid running back in the NFL. But honestly, thinking about it, when I first saw the story, I was like, oh, my gosh, Minnesota. Why why are you committing so much to Kirk Cousins? Then I kind of sat down and thought about it, thought long and hard about it. It actually may not be the worst thing in the world. Now, I'm going to explain why because I'm sure some of you guys are calling me crazy out there. Football outsiders ranked the Minnesota Vikings' offensive line at seventh best in terms of run blocking. Their running backs averaged 4.67 yards per carry. And I'm not saying all of Dalvin Cook's. Stats are all because of the offensive line because that's just not true in any case. Sometimes running backs have to make magic out of nothing, especially star ones. But here's another little neat stat I found out Dalvin Cook averaged 4.5 yards per carry. Their backup is named Alexander Madison. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry last season. 0. 0.1 more. Now, I know a lot of you are probably scoffing at me, like, why is that anything 0.1 yards more? What does that do for anything? I'll tell you what. This is a lot like the situation the LA Chargers were in in 2018. Melvin Gordon averaged 5.1 yards per carry. Austin Eckler, his backup, 5.2 yards per carry. Where are they now? Austin Eckler is the starter in LA. Melvin Gordon is in Denver. You can't write this stuff. It's it's a lot like last week when I talked about the the blind comparison between Andy Dalton's first four seasons in the NFL and Dak Prescott's first four seasons in the NFL. I mean, it's almost perfect. L.A. Chargers were in the exact same scenario the Minnesota Vikings are right now. They made their decision. The star running back averaged 0.1 yard less per carry than the backup. What did the L.A. Chargers do? They made Austin Eckler the starter. And Melvin Gordon walked away to Denver. In my opinion, this makes it easy. At first, I was like, I don't see how they could just let Dalvin Cook go. Now I'm all on board for it. I mean, come on now. Another big thing that sort of turns me away from the Vikings retaining Dalvin Cook is the injury concern. In high school, Dalvin Cook hurt his shoulder, and it's kind of been nagging him since. He's had a couple of days where his shoulder has been jacked up, but that's not my concern. Although that is a little bit of a, f- a flag. This is a red flag. The shoulder may be like a yellow, like a caution flag. This one is a red flag. He tore his ACL his first season. He came back his second season, and he was solid. Not great, but solid. And his third year, he explodes. Who does that remind you of? I'll tell you who it reminds me of. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley blew out his ACL at Georgia. It was a horrific injury. I saw it live, and I knew immediately it was torn. It was a something blew out in that knee just look it up Todd Gurley Georgia injury on YouTube or something like that because it's gruesome viewer discretion advised without a doubt his first year in the NFL he was serviceable his second year he was good his third year he won MVP almost did won offensive player of the year I believe in the NFC he didn't win MVP Mahomes did not the exact same storyline But here's where it goes downhill. A year after winning NFC Offensive Player of the Year. His same knee. Is basically washed. And we saw glimpses of it in that season. The the season before. Last season was the year that it kind of. He was rough. He was not himself season before, at the end of it, that knee started to go out. It went out so bad that Sean McVay kept him on the bench most of the time in the Super Bowl. Against the New England Patriots. A Super Bowl. He's not even on the Rams anymore. He's at Atlanta Falcon now. They moved on from him due to that knee. He has arthritis in that knee. And he's in his mid-twenties. His years in the NFL are nearly done. Already. The game the Vikings are playing now is the game of what if. What if. Dalvin Cook is just another Todd Gurley. What if that knee, the knee he tore an ACL in, his first season in the NFL, starts to deteriorate all over again? We've seen it before. and before, Todd Gurley, Sean Alexander won MVP with the Seahawks. led him to the Super Bowl. Blows out his knee. He's never the same. Now he's not a running this guy's next guy's not a running back. He was a sol- very solid mobile quarterback. His name's Teddy Bridgewater. Very solid mobile quarterback. Has a bright future. Non contact knee injury in practice. Blows out his leg so bad that the doctors thought they were gonna have to amputate it. And Teddy Bridgewater has had very shining moments. But he's not been the same quarterback since. The Vikings are playing a game of what if with Dalvin Cook. What if that knee starts to fade out? And if I'm the Vikings, I don't make that mistake. I let another team make that mistake. There's two ways this can go. Well, actually, probably about four ways this can go, honestly. Two ways involve the Vikings re-signing him. The other two involve another team signing him. One of them is Dalvin Cook is just fine. And he continues to be a star in this league. Or that knee starts to deteriorate. Either way... With the seventh ranked best run blocking offensive line. Let this Alexander Matson kid go. Let him run the let him be the running back. It worked for LA. Dalvin Cook could very well be a liability if that knee starts to go out. If I'm the Vikings, I don't take that chance with Dalvin Cook. I let him walk and let another team take that chance. Let's move on to our next topic. Just noticed something a little crazy. Um, so last week I started a segment we're going to do called Fake Out or Breakout." And last week I did it on the quarterbacks. And ironically, my main topic from last week's episode was Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys contract negotiations. The main topic for this week's episode was Dalvin Cook and his extension and how he's holding out from the Vikings. And what we're about to do is fake out our breakout for running backs. Well, let's hope a tight end is in the news for next week because then we can do part three with the tight ends. And if not, I'll figure out something different. I don't want to bore all you guys with the same thing every week. So, but without further ado, let's get right into it. Fake out or breakout, part two running backs. But wait, I know I said let's get right into it, but I want to say real quick. Please, if you are listening and are on Instagram, go follow the Instagram for the Robson Sportscast at the Robson Sportscast. Very recently, I did a podcaster's mock draft with a few other podcasters that I'm very good friends with. They are all tagged on there. Be sure to go follow them, too, and listen to their stuff. They are all awesome as well. And be sure to let us know who did the best with their mock draft. There were a lot of very solid teams. I think everybody had a really, really solid team. But I personally think, looking at my team, I think I had the most stacked one. I mean, you all can go see for yourselves, but I feel like I did pretty freaking well. Be sure to go follow the Robson Sportscast on Instagram at the Robson Sportscast. Now, without further ado, let's get into a fake out or breakout part two with the running backs. We'll start it off with Kenyon Drake, the running back for the Arizona Cardinals. Finished last season with 170 carries, 817 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now, I know those yards are not entirely impressive to be considered a breakout guy. But you got to remember, this guy spent half of last season with the Miami Dolphins. Now I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be good next season. Not very, Maybe solid. I don't know about good. Good to be about 10-6. and six. I think the Dolphins got 8-8 eight and eight written all over them. Um, but I think we'll get to predictions for, for records later on. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. We'll see. But anyway, um, but yeah, all eight of Kenyon Drake's touchdowns last season were when he got traded midseason to the Cardinals. When he was there at the end of the season, he averaged 4.8 yards per career, which ranked fourth among all running backs. And this entire time down in AZ, he had one bad game against an elite defensive line in Tampa Bay Shaq Barrett, McDonald's, and Sue. Jason Pierre Paul. It's one heck of a defensive line. And that's your one bad game. I like Kenyon Drake. I don't think he's going to be a bell cow per se for the Cardinals because I think they are going to be. I think their main running guy is still Kyler Murray because he's so dynamic. And I think they're going to be throwing the ball more now that they got DeAndre Hopkins out wide. But Kenyon Drake, he's going to be a sleeper next year, in my opinion. I think he is going to be a breakout for 2020. Next guy I want to talk about is Austin Eckler. Finished last season with 132 carries, 557 yards, and three touchdowns. Add on to that, 92 catches with 999 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Excuse me if you heard that I accidentally just burped. But uh, <laughs> but um, for a running back, that's amazing. Almost 1,000 yards. That's impressive. But you're a running back, not a catching back. You're not a wide receiver. You are very average running the ball, Mr. Eckler. So, I mean, you averaged 3 34.8 rushing yards per game, and you had one 100-yard game. That one 100-yard game two was also his one game over 70 yards. Austin Eckler is a small guy, 5'10". Now, I'm not saying that really matters. I mean, Darren Sproles was serviceable. He was what? I think he was about the same height. But Austin Eckler, I mean, your production may go up a little bit next season. Dude, you're probably going to be throwing it less with Tyrod as your quarterback. But honestly, I just don't see it. A man, Sean, from the Come On Man Sports podcast, one of the podcasts I did the mock draft with I mentioned earlier. He's going to get mad at me probably for saying that, but I definitely think Austin Eckler will be a fake out for next season. Um, next up, Josh Jacobs running back for the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. 242 carries, 1,150 yards, and seven touchdowns. Now, much like Josh Jacobs, John Gruden is Old school, smash mouth, run it in your face football. I mean, and Josh Jacobs, I feel if he were came into the league like maybe a decade earlier, he'd be a top five running back. I mean, <laughs> maybe not even a de- Maybe back in the early 2000s, this guy would be awesome. Like, he, like he's powerful. He's got good speed. He's a mixture of everything, honestly. Um, I would like to see more of the receiving game from him. But you can't really ask much when Derek Carr is your quarterback, and he ain't been the same since he got hurt after his – probably would have been MVP season if he never got hurt. Um, Oakland's got a stout offensive line too. I mean, and not and nothing changed on it. It's still a very good offensive line. And, and, act, and via um, pro football focus, he led the NFL in forced missed tackles. Even with that great offensive line, he still said, get off of me from defenders. And also that, uh, the only issue with that I would have would be the team doesn't didn't have any real true number one receivers, so they would just load the box and be like, oh, you're just gonna run it with Josh Jacobs. We'll just load the box and stop you. You can't do that now with Henry Ruggs the third on the outside with that speed. You do that, he's gonna burn you, and Derek Carr's gonna throw a touchdown. I mean, so that forces you. The only issue I have was his shoulder injury he had late last season. That's the only concern I have with him, and I don't think that's major. I think Josh Jacobs is a breakout star. Um, Aaron Jones, probably the biggest breakout on this list. 236 carries with 1,084 yards, 16 touchdowns, 49 catches for with 474 yards, and three touchdowns. I'm just going to say this. No way he sustains 19 total touchdowns that's awesome i just want that to be said he's not going to sustain that but he was still the big, biggest breakout running back of 2019 in my opinion now and before Lafur, coach Lafur got there he had to sort of split carries with running back jamal williams you don't have to do that anymore he is number one without a doubt 4.6 yards per carry 5.6 yards per carry when there was eight or more people in the box. What? <laughs> so you mean to tell me the more they loaded the box, the better you got? One word to describe that. Beast. Breakout, without a doubt, for Aaron Jones. Um, Raheem Morset, he's the running back for the San Francisco 49ers. 137 carries, 772 yards, and 8 touchdowns. Now, at the end of the season, now, he didn't do a lot at the start of the season, but at the end of the season, he was a star. Um, he shared carries with Tevin Coleman. He had actually the same amount of carries as Tevin Coleman, but he finished with 228 more yards, 1.6 more yards per carry, and two more touchdowns. He scored a touchdown from Week 12 to Week 17. In the NFC title game, I guess the Green Bay Packers, who have a very good defensive line led by Zadarius Smith. 220 yards and four touchdowns. Good Lord. <laughs> I think he's definitely going to be the number one back next season. And I know Kyle Shanahan runs sort of a multi-back set. Um, he, run, he does a lot of different running backs in there. But I think... Raheem Morissette should be the number one, and I think he's going to be he's going to be a breakout star for next season, in my opinion. Um, next thing I want to talk about, I mentioned him earlier uh, Damian Williams. He was undrafted running back for um, Kansas City. 111 carries, 498 yards, and five touchdowns. Um, let's be honest, it's a crowded backfield up there in Kansas City. You got LaShawn McCoy, you got Damian Williams. You also got the addition of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who is the absolute perfect fit for the Kansas City dynamic offense. They don't run the ball like crazy, but when they do, edwards alar is going to be good at that. They pass the ball a lot more. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is great at catching the football too. You asked me if there was a breakout, if there's a possible guy that's going to have a sneaky good season, it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. First-round pick out of LSU. Watch that name. He's going to be good. Damian Williams, I think he's just going to sort of slide back. Um, He's a good story. He had 104 104 yards and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. But I I just don't see it. I think he's a fake out for next season. And last week, I, I with the quarterbacks, I brought in two extra names that I didn't have on my list. Um, but I just have one this week. It's going to be Le'Veon Bell. Um, Le'Veon Bell came into a terrible situation in New York. It didn't get terribly better. His offensive line is good, but his head coach, the moron Adam Gase, um, he does not like him for some reason. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be a lot better. I think he probably will eclipse 1,000 yards next season. If the offensive line stays healthy, but, um, I honestly think he's, again, like I said with Sam Darn, he's probably going to be middle of the road between breakout or fake out because he's just offensive line. It's improved, but the coach situation hasn't. And that that's probably the he's Adam Gase is probably the worst coach in the NFL right now. And that is not good for the Jets and not good for Le'Veon Bell. Let's move on to our next topic. Let's get ready to rumble in 2021 because it'll be Tyson the Gypsy King Fury taking on Anthony A.J. Joshua. The deal has been signed via Eddie Hearn, who is Anthony Joshua's promoter to ESPN. We have agreed to the basics of a two-fight deal a two-fight deal being between the current WBC heavyweight champion Tyson Fury and the holder of the other four heavyweight championship belts in Anthony Joshua. Why do they have five belts is my main question. This is this is my—I I try and have only one random just rant in the middle of my episodes. But why do they just have—why do, why don't they just have one? Why do you need five? I know there's different brands. Like IBF, WBC, WBA, WBO. Why, why not just one? Leave the IBF, International Boxing Federation. I mean, that's perfect. Why do you need others? Like, It doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, But yeah, the hardest part of these negotiations, via Eddie Hearn again to ESPN, he said the hardest part of these negotiations is to agree to financial elements of the deal. And if you're paying attention as a boxing fan, if you're paying attention to some negotiations between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. We all know their Twitter rivalry, I guess, in a ways. Actually, I wouldn't, because Deontay Wilder has me blocked on social media platforms. Uh <laughs> get on that story later if you guys want to hear about that. Um That is why their negotiations fell through. Anthony Joshua's camp offered Deontay Wilder fifty million dollars to go over to the UK to where Anthony Joshua has had all but two of his fights. In his professional career, and Deontay Wilder wouldn't do it, and that was the deal breaker. The negotiations fell through. Now, these guys are the champs, and they still have some defenses of their title belts in line. As I mentioned, Tyson Fury is the WBC heavyweight champion. The former WBC heavyweight champion was Deontay Wilder, who was defeated by Tyson Fury via unanimous decision in their second fight. Um, He still owed a rematch. And he also, Fury Being, has a mandatory championship match against Devin White, who was another heavyweight contender. And Joshua also has a mandatory championship defense after he just won his four belts back after shockingly losing them to Andy Ruiz Jr. and getting them back in their second fight. He has to face off against Kubrat Pulev. That's a Russian name. That's not as easy as, as Ivan Drago. I think he's Russian anyway. I have to look him up. But um, he sounds Russian. But anyway, um, if both men retain, we will have for the first time in 20 years a unification match in the heavyweight division. How crazy is that? We have not had a undisputed heavyweight champion of the boxing world in 20 years. That blows my mind. That used to be the division, man. You got Ali, you got Joe Frazier. You got Mike Tyson. I mean, you got some of the biggest legends in boxing were heavyweights. That's just crazy to me, man. That's crazy that we have 20 years my opinion, if that's to happen, if it is to be a unification match, it's going to be undisputedly the biggest match in British boxing history. Both Joshua and Fury are from Britain, and they're both so, so unique. Um, But I'm going to try and make some comparisons here. Tyson Fury. um, uh, Honestly, he is unlike anything we've ever seen in a boxing ring, with his 6'7 size and his power mixed with his speed and endurance. I mean, he is just... It's hard to compare anybody, boxing-wise, to to Tyson Fury, but the closest I can get, and this, call me crazy, but I'm talking primarily here because we've never seen anything like Tyson Fury in the ring, but outside of the ring, we kind of have, and I kind of see a little bit of Muhammad Ali, and again, I'm not comparing these guys, Muhammad Ali is the GOAT, and that's undisputed, there will never be anyone greater than Muhammad Ali, But Tyson Fury's got that swagger, man. He's got sort of that mojo, you know what I mean? Like, he he knows he's the best. Now, I never said he's pretty like Muhammad Ali. And then again, he's not very pretty. Most boxers aren't very pretty like Muhammad Ali. But, but if I were to make a comparison for Anthony Joshua, I got an easy one. He reminds me a lot of Mike, a bigger Mike Tyson. Um, because he's got great ring awareness. He's got great power. He's, he's AJ is sound in that ring But There's always a but There isn't really a but with Fury But there is a big but With Anthony Joshua Much like Mike Tyson We have seen a motivated Anthony Joshua And an unmotivated Anthony Joshua Motivated Anthony Joshua Was the guy that knocked out Vladimir Klitschko Claim the the vacated IBF heavyweight championship. Not many people can say they knocked out a Klitschko let alone a Wadimir. I mean, that guy until I believe actually Fury beat him. Then he vacated the title, I think, for personal reasons. Um, but he didn't knock him out. He went the distance with him. He fought all twelve rounds, and he won by he won by unanimous unanimous decision. And it was obvious, watching that fight, it was obvious that Fury was just outclassing him. But not a lot of people could say they knocked out a Klitschko, let alone a Latimer. But like I said, we've seen an unmotivated Anthony Joshua. Unmotivated Anthony Joshua was the guy that went into New York City, his first fight in America. He had fought in the UK all his other fights before this. He fights Andy Ruiz Jr. On a two month notice. Anthony Ruiz. He's nothing to sneeze at. He's a big guy. And he's got a lot of power. In that right hand. And he whooped. Anthony Joshua's. Ass. Also known as ass. For those who don't have a little bit of Irish slang. He wiped the floor with Joshua that fight, and then Joshua came back the second fight and showed that what happens when Anthony Joshua is motivated. There are two different sides of AJ, and I feel like we would get the motivated side if he fights Fury, when he fights Fury, because either way, it's going to happen. I think unless, then, unless like I mentioned with the Wilder stuff that uh, that money was the issue and negotiations fell out, but I don't think that's going to be the issue. These guys just want to fight. These guys wanna seven that ring and show who is the best in the heavyweight division. I tried I gave up predicting boxing fights because they're just so unpredictable. But um, if you were to tell me who I think is gonna win this fight, the first one, and probably the second one, I gotta go Fury. I mean, Fury is just he's a beast. Now I definitely could see Joshua winning the fight, but I think that's going to be more like because Fury's just going to keep him at distance. He has the reach advantage over Anthony Joshua, so Joshua, so Fury can just keep him at distance, outbox him, and that's going to force Joshua to try and close the distance, and he could just knock him out, or he could play opposite, or he could just he could just dance around him. Because in my opinion, Fury is faster than Joshua, and that's saying something. Because Joshua's pretty quick for as big as he is. Yeah, I like. I, I, it's gonna be a real good fight. I'm definitely. If that's a pay per view, I may waste a 60, 60 bucks or hundred bucks, whatever it is, just to watch that fight. Or I may at least live stream it. Like find a live stream on YouTube that's showing it. Because I want to see that fight. Now there is the third guy I mentioned. When you think of the heavyweight division now, if you're if you're not a boxing fan or if you are a boxing fan, there are 3 guys, main guys in the heavyweight division. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, and Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is not a factor anymore. I think he was exposed by Tyson Fury um boxing people will tell you it's called the sweet science. The sweet science of boxing is labeled by a very simple term. Hit, but don't get hit. If you don't know what that means, look up a Floyd Money Mayweather fight or a Canelo Saul Alvarez fight. These guys are the pinnacle of it. It is head movement, It is a mind game, you move the head, you keep your hands up, you wait for your opportunity. Deontay Wilder, look up his fights, after you watch a Canelo fight, or a Money Mayweather fight. It's two different styles. Deontay Wilder relies on a right hand, and if he doesn't land that, he's screwed. Helena's day. He puts so much effort into that, he will get knocked out by it. Because he gets so tired and he puts his hands down at his waists. Or for him, he's got a long arm, so it's more at his knees. I mean, he's got long arms, I will give him that. But that's not how it's done that's why I can't stand to watch a Deontay Wilder fight because I have done boxing before I used to be a volunteer trainer here at a awesome local gym in Blacksburg, Virginia where I'm from and I've watched I've been there I've tr- trained people I've trained people in the art of boxing believe it or not just doing it is a little sim- actually kind of simple you keep your hands on your chin, that's all it is. Keep your hands on your chin, you don't rev back, it's simple, I could teach anybody it. Give me an hour and a half, that's what I got pretty much at the gym I used, I go to. I can teach you it. But Deontay Wilder does not have that technique. That's sad, cause he's got a lot of power and that's respectable. The best offense is a good right-hand or left-hand, depending if you're a uh, orthodox or southpaw fighter. I'm a southpaw myself, and that seems to be a rarity. But Deontay Wilder is not a factor in this, but either way, that's he's not the focus of this. We're getting it. Eventually, hopefully. Fury Joshua to determine the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. I can't wait for that. That's going to be so awesome. Me being a boxing fan, I got giddy when that news came out. I was so excited. But I also get giddy every time I sit down in my chair to record this stuff. Record me talking sports. This is what I love. This is what I live for. Talking sports with everybody. Um, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, episode three. Every Monday, we will post episodes of the Robson Sportscast. Be sure to follow the Robson Sportscast on Instagram at the Robson Sportscast. I'll be doing updates of the podcast on platforms we're on and all sorts of stuff like that on there specifically. We don't have a Facebook. We don't have a Twitter yet for both those. Maybe eventually I'll get those for the for all that stuff. But we are on Instagram at the Robson Sportscast. And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, please check out the other podcast I did recently on Mock Draft with the podcast, some podcast buddies I'm with. Um, Check them out too. They all do the same thing I do. They all have their own different style to it though. But please check them out. Check out the Instagram of course. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host Alex Robson signing off.